0: Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale Audio Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to a couple of spots. And if you're really feeling uh, jazzed up today you can turn to three spots all right but if, if not and that's a little too much that's overload for you you can just turn to one uh, isaiah chapter 11 we'll start there and then uh, i want you to turn put a marker in matthew chapter 1 and luke chapter 2 if you're going to just turn to one turn to matthew 1 and you can kind of cheat and go really quickly to luke 2 but isaiah chapter 11 is where we'll start matthew chapter 1 and luke chapter 2. Here is what I would ask at the beginning of this message. I know when we think about the Christmas story, oftentimes some of us could have the thought, I've heard this story a million times before. I know this story like the back of my hand. Here's one of my favorite parts about studying for this message every year at this time. I know I'm gonna see something I haven't seen before. And isn't it amazing how Scripture, being divinely inspired almost breathes life into us. Even though we've read something hundreds of times before, God will show us something new that we've never seen before. So here's what I'd ask of you. Don't come to the text that we're reading today as though you've read them hundreds of times before and you're a a theological know-it-all and you 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 can't learn anything new, okay? Don't come to the text like that. Come to the text like a young child who is actually reading these texts for the first time. I'm not asking you to have an open mind, I'm asking you to be like a child this Christmas and don't think about all the things you already know about this story. I want you to see what the Holy Spirit might say to you that you don't yet know, all right? And the title of this message kind of has to do with this word that we're talking about, Revelation. Christmas is wrapped up in Revelation. Now, before you start thinking, Preston's about to take the book of Revelation and connect it to the Christmas story. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not doing, that, that would be really hard work to do. The book of Revelation. I can go to the end and do that, but I mean, no. What we're talking about today is the fact that no matter how often or how much we have read the Christmas story, it's entirely possible for the Holy Spirit to reveal new things to us. And we're gonna take a look at some things that, we see revealed in the story of Christmas. This story of Jesus coming to earth. And remember, we're not talking about the Christmas story, Santa squeezing himself down the chimney and bringing presents underneath the tree. The story of Christmas is Jesus cramming himself into a fleshly body, into the womb of a virgin, and being born and dwelling among us on the earth. So just don't come to the text like you know everything, all right? Here's point number one. God revealed Christ's coming well in advance. God revealed Christ's coming well in advance. Something you probably don't know about me, but I am really bad about buying gifts and holding on to them. Okay? I mean, really bad. I've been a father for 15 years. All three of my kids are sitting on the front row and could attest, can attest to the fact that since the day they were born, I have not once made it to Christmas Day with all of their gifts. I, I, the way I'm wired, if I buy you a gift, I got to give it to you. I, I, I love you too much to hold on to it. That's selfish of me. I want to give it to you. Just here. So, I, I mean, I, I, I started this years ago uh, under this kind of phrase. We're going to start a new tradition this year. And that was code word for, I can't wait any longer we're going to open them up now. So, I mean, we've done two weeks before Christmas. We've done 10 days before Christmas. We've done a gift a day for seven or eight days leading up to Christmas. I've never made it all the way to Christmas day where everybody opened up all their gifts. In fact, we already celebrated our Christmas five days ago. The kids have been riding around on their hoverboards for the last five days. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. And even, I I had saved, we still do stockings on Christmas morning, but I had a a, a special stocking gift that I had gotten for Holly. Uh, And three days ago, I woke up in the morning and went and stood next to the side of her bed and I said, hey, something amazing happened last night. Santa Claus came and I pulled out the gift and I said, Isn't that amazing? (laughs) And that was it. That's the end of Christmas for me. I can't make it all the way to the day. And here's what I've learned. I actually get that from my heavenly father. I come by it supernaturally. I'm going to show you some passages in the scripture where God was so excited about Christ's birth That he couldn't contain himself and he started talking about it hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And as we read these passages, I don't want you to hear a a man prophesying the coming of Christ's birth. I want you to think about the fact, imagine in your mind's eye, God peering over the balcony of heaven. Hundreds of years before Christ came to earth being as giddy as a schoolboy going, I I gotta tell him, I gotta tell him, I gotta say something, okay? Watch what he says hundreds of years before Christ's birth. Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse one. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. This is 700 years before Christ's birth where God is saying the Messiah is going to come From the family of Jesse. He starts talking about the line, the family, the earthly family he was going to be born into. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. Righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is somewhere between 620 and 580 years before Christ's birth. God is letting us know the Messiah is going to be born from the line of King David. Now, Genesis chapter 49, as early as 1,400 years. Now, you know, I get antsy and can't wait a week until Christmas. 1,400 years before he gives the gift of Jesus. He is so excited in heaven to let us know what's going down. 1,400 years in advance, he says something. In Genesis 49, verse 10, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. A prophecy speaking of the fact that the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. Micah chapter five, verse two, but you, Bethlehem, hard word, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, I'm from Texas, we don't say hard words like that. If this is the only time you're in church all year, you're like, I like this guy, yeah, hard word. (laughs) C's get degrees in my world. But you, Bethlehem, I forgot my kids were in the service, that was a joke, A's and B's, people, A's and B's. (laughs) <laughs> but you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Think about this. God is so excited that around 750 years before the birth of Jesus, he's saying, I'm even going to tell you where he's going to be born. I, I just got to tell somebody. He's excited. Can't contain his excitement. He's prophesying through man, saying, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen many years before it happens because this is going to be the best gift I ever give. And sending my son to the earth wrapped in flesh to live for 33 years that he might die in your place. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This is called the Emmanuel prophecy. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 700 years before the birth of Christ. God is letting humanity know this baby isn't just going to come from the tribe of Judah. This baby isn't going just to come from the family of Jesse. This baby will not just come from the line of King David This baby will not just be born in Bethlehem. This baby will be born of a virgin, 700 years before his birth. I don't know when you were growing up if you played this game, but I loved basketball. That was kind of my thing. And we always played a game called Pig. Anybody ever played that game before? And if you ever came over to my house and played, I had a rule that not everybody played by. You know, when you go to somebody's house, you play by their rules, house rules, right? You come to my house, we have a rule at my house when we play pig, and here's the rule. It's very simple, call your shots. You have to call your shot, and here's why. Because I'd have friends come over who would throw up these junky, ugly shots that would go in and then go, make that. You didn't, you didn't even mean to make that. That was like the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. You didn't even call that, that was luck. Okay, so I instituted the rule, you gotta call your shots. Okay, think about this. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, God is confidently calling his shot. And we end with him saying, and this baby's gonna be born of a virgin. Make that. (laughs) I mean, that's the equivalent in basketball of, okay, I'm gonna shoot it off the roof of the house, off of the neighbor's house, down the road to the firehouse, back and through the net. Seemingly impossible, God says, this baby's gonna be born of a virgin. I'm calling my shot now. I want all of you to know, this baby is my son. And he's come to earth for you. God revealed Christ's coming well in advance. Why? Why? Why didn't Jesus come in the lifetime of these prophets? Many of them prophesied around 700 years before his birth. Why wasn't Jesus born during their lifetimes? I'll tell you why I believe Jesus wasn't born then. Because then everyone would have been paying attention to the prophets who got it right. Instead of 700 years later, they were celebrating the one who was prophesied, not the one who prophesied it. God called his shot well in advance. He revealed it to us in the same way that I cannot, we we didn't even wrap gifts this year because I didn't even make it to the wrapping stage. (laughs) I was so excited that I made all of my kids one by one turn around and close their eyes and I put the gift in their hands and then said, okay, turn around. I couldn't contain my excitement in the same way. You have to understand that's the way God was leading up to Christ's birth on the earth. The excitement was palpable. He was talking about it for hundreds of years. Why? So that all of humanity would know. When this happens, it will be the biggest game changer in all of human history. And I don't want you to be surprised by it. I want you to see it coming. That leads us to point number two, and this incidentally is going to set a record for the longest point of 2017, the most wordiest point of the year. I did it on purpose. Point number 2. Joseph reveals you're going to have to get over yourself in order to make room for Jesus in your life. Merry Christmas. Ho ho ho. Joseph reveals you're going to have to get over yourself in order to make room for Jesus in your life. Have you ever watched an infomercial on television and After a couple of minutes of getting sucked into the infomercial, you start drinking the Kool-Aid on this product. I mean, this spray is so amazing that you can cut a boat in half and spray it across the bottom and then get out in the boat at 40 40 miles an hour and the boat is going to float. This spray is miraculous. After six minutes of watching the infomercial, you're all in. And then they drop the bomb on you. And they tell you, today only. If you act now, not only will you get one bottle of Miraculous Junkie spray, you will get not only two bottles, but if you act now for the all-inclusive price of $6.99 and $49.95 shipping and handling, (laughs) you will get three Miraculous bottles of spray. And so you order the miracle spray. It comes to your house, and you start breaking things so you can put it back together with the miraculous spray. So you go to your wife's special precious moments, little deal that she's had since she was a baby. You say, I could pop the head off one of these things. This spray is white, she'll never even know. Let's try it, kids. Bam! You spray the spray around the neck of the precious moment baby. This is graphic, isn't it? (laughs) And what do you find out? It doesn't work. The head rolls off the precious moments. Now you're in trouble because you got an irreplaceable object in your house you just defiled. Spray doesn't work. And what do we immediately say? That's false advertising. They gypped me. You can't get a boat out on the water if you sprayed this thing on the bottom, cut it in half, no way. I got gypped, this is false advertising, listen closely. I think a lot of unbelievers look at Christianity and think it's false advertising. And here's one of the things that I really think they have, they they misunderstand because oftentimes Christians put off the wrong impression. They give the wrong impression about Christianity some Christians will give off the impression that making Jesus Lord of your life is really like a 50-50 proposition. That it's kind of like a roommate where I win some and Jesus wins some. Sometimes Jesus wins and sometimes I win. Sometimes I get what I want, sometimes Jesus gets what he wants. Okay, That's not what making Jesus Lord of your life looks like. Making Jesus Lord of your life Looks like this. And I don't want any, any, if you're an unbeliever, I don't want you to look at Christianity and think that's false advertising. I just want to shoot straight with you. And we see it in the story of Christmas that when Jesus comes to be Lord of your life, it's not about me getting what I want. It's about him getting what he wants. Let me show you Matthew chapter one. If you put a marker there, read it with me. Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, which we just read. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I want you to put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment. All right? You've done everything you possibly can the right way. All right, Everybody else is screwing up. You've done it to the best of your ability the right way. Not perfect, but you've done really well. You find a young woman who shares your values and says, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I'm gonna do my best to do the best I can in every area of life. I'm gonna make good decisions. She's doing it the right way. Fall in love with this girl. You propose to her. And then one day, she comes to you. Everything is going perfectly according to plan. Until Jesus messes everything up. Your fiance comes to you. Obviously nervous. Afraid to talk. Something seems off. She says, um, uh, Joseph, I, I, I have some news. Um I'm 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 kind of i l- I'm late. And Joseph, and she's a virgin, he's a virgin. Late for what, babe. <laughs> um I mean, like, late, late, the virgin says to the virgin, (laughs) like, like the bad kind of late. Uh, Yeah, like the, the bad kind of late. Who did you sleep with? What's his name? Just tell me. Um that's kind of the thing. Um uh, I'm pregnant because of the Holy Spirit. Are you seriously going to try and sell me that line right now? Just tell me his name. It was John, wasn't it? It was John. I'm going to take him out back and I'm going to whoop him. Joseph, I'm telling you. I'm still a virgin the holy spirit did this and that night you go to sleep and an angel awakens you and says joseph my man i got some really good news for you your fiance is late are you kidding me She's not lying, who did she sleep with? Joseph, your fiance is pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're not gonna bounce on your fiance or this baby. You're going to hang around and you're going to raise up this child as his earthly father and you're going to name him Jesus. Because he is going to save his people from their sins. Do you think when Joseph got up that morning and was journaling, do you think that the first words on the page kind of went like this? Dear diary, have a weird feeling about today. For some reason, I'm thinking Mary is going to tell me she's been impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's okay. It's just Tuesday. Of course not. This was not Joseph's plan. This wasn't Mary's plan. And Joseph's first instinct was to bounce on Mary and to say, I I didn't plan on this. This is not what I deserve. This is not what I wanted. Can you even imagine the regret Joseph would have experienced if he would have left Mary and Jesus that day? And 30 years later, He's having his coffee and reading the Jerusalem Post. And he sees that that baby named Jesus has become a man and is healing the sick, setting the captive free, raising the dead. Can you imagine the regret Joseph would have felt had he have not come into alignment with Christ's plan? for him and himself on the earth. Listen to me closely. If you have never made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm gonna shoot dead straight with you. There are gonna be many times where making Jesus Lord of your life is incredibly inconvenient. But listen to me closely. It will always be worth it, always. I'm not gonna to lie to you. Listen, the preacher's hand guide says, on this weekend of the year, tell them it's gonna be easy and awesome. I'm not gonna tell you it's gonna be easy, but I will tell you it's gonna be awesome. Joseph lets us know. It's not gonna be easy. Making Jesus Lord isn't always going to be easy, but it is always going to be worth it, always. Joseph came into alignment with Christ's plan, with God's plan for Christ, with God's plan for Joseph. Joseph came into alignment. And I bet if we can find Joseph in heaven and say, Joseph, are you glad you hung around? Are you glad you stuck with Mary? Does anyone think his answer will be no? Of course not. Why? Because that's what anyone would say when they understand alignment with Christ Jesus. Christmas story reminds us Making Jesus Lord is not always easy. It's not always convenient. But Ephesians lets us know, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask for or imagine. Which means this, the only thing better than you getting your way is being in the room when God gets his way because of you. Joseph got in on the greatest moment in human history But before he experienced it, he had to submit to it. Which leads us to point number three. The angels reveal Christ came for you. Flip over to Luke chapter two. The angels reveal Christ came for you. Let me ask you a question while you're flipping to Luke chapter two. To whom did the angel and angels first appear in the Christmas story? shepherds right okay remember that let's read it together and then let's talk about what a big deal this actually is Luke chapter 2 starting in verse 1 and we're going to read 20 verses we're going to read the entire story of his birth at that time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria all returned to their own and ancestral towns to register for the census And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. We're just checking off prophetic boxes one verse at a time so far. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth The Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you, speaking to the shepherds, you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Get the picture here. One angel shows up to the shepherds proclaims this good news and then all of a sudden thousands upon thousands of angels, the armies of heaven are joining this angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. You think, you geniuses? Every time I read this story, I think that, it, that that's your first response. Let's go to Bethlehem. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, for it was just as the angel had told them. When you study shepherds in this day and time, you learn very quickly they were bottom of the totem pole type. Many think about tax collectors and the joke being about tax collectors. They were the most disreputable. Shepherds were right there among the tax collectors. In fact, oftentimes people saw shepherds as thieves because they would move from city to city and since they weren't going back, they would steal things along the way. Oftentimes it went even further than that and shepherds were not allowed allowed to testify in court. And here's why. No one believed their testimony. They were the bottom of the bottom. Why did the angel come and appear to the shepherds, not the priests, not the kings? Why did the angel appear to the shepherds? I believe it's because God was making a very loud and clear statement. I did not just come from the, for the heroes. I'm sending my son for all of humanity. Think about this, this incredibly good news was entrusted to the most disreputable people. The ones that few believe their testimony. And God said, I trust them. I'll give them this good news first. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but why was Christ born in a manger? I asked this question to a couple of people this last week and got pretty much the same answer. Well, it was because Jesus was making a statement. He wasn't coming as a spoiled king. He was coming as a lowly servant king. Sure, that is part of it. But I don't believe that's the only reason Christ was born in a manger. Remember, the good news was first entrusted to the shepherds. Now think about this. Had Jesus been born in the palace of the king, the shepherds would not have even gotten through the gates. One of the most romantic things, I believe, Jesus could have done and the Father could have done is squeeze little baby Jesus into a stinky, nasty, ugly, off-the-beaten-path manger where the animals sleep at night, thereby saying, to these quote-unquote disreputable shepherds. I came for you, and you can come straight to me. No one's gonna stop you. No king and his gate, no guard outside the palace is gonna stop you from coming to me. Because I'm not just the God with you, Emmanuel. I'm the God who came for you. And you can come to me. Preston, why would Jesus do this? I mean, I only come to church twice a year. Answer me this question, why would Jesus do this? He's the son of God. Why did he have to come to earth and be born in the flesh? There's a very simple answer for that question because mankind was drowning. Drowning in sin and the only way we could be saved was if the Son of God came and was born in the flesh, dwelt among us on the earth, and then die in our place. In order for him to die in my place, he had to be born in the flesh. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine says this, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, He became poor, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Why did Jesus do this? Because he's infatuated with you. Because he's enamored with you. In the same way that God could not stop talking about the coming of Christ's birth, God couldn't stop talking about your birth long before you were born. Jesus isn't just named Emmanuel, God with us, to remind us that he came to earth to be around us. That name Emmanuel, God with us, carries a heavy, heavy meaning. It also means he's the God who came for us. When I read the Christmas story, I don't find myself reaching for the words, Merry Christmas, as the first thing that comes to my mind, even though I love those words. When I read the Christmas story, the first words that come to my mind are thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Coming for me. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.